Test, test. There we go. I'm a little rusty, right? Gotta, gotta make sure I pressed all the buttons. If I forgot one, guys, shout at me. Uh, I'll have a look in chat every now and then. But uh, guys, welcome to episode 98, right? I know it has been a while since the last episode. Um, we, um, I tried to line some up, but there was always something in the way. So, uh, and I didn't want to just like, you know, just randomly uh, do, um, you know, podcast. Um, I want to make sure it's a good one. And uh, with the current happenings, I think uh, that's, uh, you know, that qualified for a good podcast. So um, let me introduce the guests. Most of you guys will be aware, especially if you have listened to a few of my podcasts before. Um, Shines has been on, I don't know how many times, six, seven times. But for those who are not aware, there might be like one or two guys here that don't know uh, the shiny boy. Um He's an alliance leader who built a reputation for being relentless. I think that's fair to say, right? And uh, in the current uh, situation with the war, I think uh, that's kind of, you're kind of defending uh, that reputation a little bit. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, you're also like a good friend of mine. And uh, I always value your input, like in all ki uh, kind, of, kind of ways. I talked about that yesterday, actually, on stream too. When it comes to theory crafting, you would always be the, the first guy when I have like a, some weird idea, like a doctrine, I would just throw it at Shines and he would be the guy saying either like, what the fuck? Or like, hmm, yeah, maybe, right? So when it, when I get a maybe from Shines, I'm going to stick to it and keep going with it. And uh, and then maybe every now and then, I mean, nine out of ten of them, like how many, how many of my ideas that I threw at you, what do you say? What's the percentage of uh, that never, that we never did actually? I think there's like 50-50, but when they come out, they're like amazing. Like the, But it takes like a day for it to sink in because it's not conventional fleet warfare that you're that you're doing. It's like, yeah, if we land like 250 Maguses on these guys, they're going to go all over the grid. It'll be great. <laughs> you know, it takes a while for the, uh, for the tactics to sink in, but it's good. You know what? Yesterday I said, um, it's probably nine out of the 10 ideas I have to like scrap at some point but maybe you're right 50 50 in terms of what we try at least right there's also a couple wow. ideas that in theory work then we try and we're like hmm. i think there's a lot of uh there's a lot of fits and stuff we'll go back and forward yeah but there's like the, the different tactics like bouge ravens and maguses and stuff and it's always uh it's always interesting yeah so that's uh guest number one then uh, my second guest today uh, is someone who is more known to be like um, more of a specialist, I'd say. Um, he used to be in Goonsworm, but he is now more on the smaller scale of things. But he likes to use the bigger toys for it whenever he can, right? Obviously, we might just talk about that in a minute too. Um, you can't always use them in today's eve i guess it's very tricky to use them properly and not uh you know you know get rid of them right away <laughs> um but yeah uh, his group the group he's in is uh, fittingly named anti-crap coalition um yeah welcome vex how's it going Thanks, Panda. Yeah, I think it's pretty fitting you talk about losing your supers as the person who uh, so far has fed this, the super. 
That was the, uh, the super that died yesterday, or the other day, so... Wait, you you lost the super? Yeah, we, we lost our first super. I, I, I might have fed it to a dread bomb. Just, just by well, accident. You know, I know a thing or two about whelping supers. And titans. Yeah, it was, and it was a tactical supers. feed, is my defense. Everything, you can ask the guys, everything was fine until it wasn't fine. <laughs> but, you know, if that risk wasn't there to lose the super, nobody would be in, uh, interested in fielding them anyway. I mean, or like it wouldn't be exciting to field them in the first place. Nobody would be talking about it. You know what I mean? So um, that's, the, that's the whole reason we use them. It's about playing aggressive, right? We uh, we want to play the game in a yeah, I think, like as extremely of an aggressive way as possible. So yeah, I think the underlying threat has to be there. Otherwise, you know, who gets excited for that? But 100%. then again. 100%. You you see a lot of risk averse behavior in the game too, so you know some people might think differently. Um, so for some people who might not be familiar with um, uh, AKC, the Anti Crab Coalition, uh, you want to you know kind of give us give us a little bit of an introduction. Like, what do you guys do? Like, what's your usual? I know right now is a bit of a campaign, but what's your usually like day to day? life looking like over there so akc is actually predominantly just a group of about five people um it's predominantly full of uh, there's a guy called nikti we've got solara we've got lowland we've got steven raven a couple other folks as well um and the, the general premise of the group if you go way back was it was one of the i'd say larger groups that provided blocks like in it for example and like goons and me, when I was an SC in Goons, this was a, an advantage that I was able to use. Um, but the intel information to be able to go and use Kikis. This is like post uh, post Rokul nerf, when whaling was a little different. It was a little more, more sparse. It was mainly Shvo kind of pushing it from from the init side. Um, this was the group that were extremely active with like spies and all those kind of things to go out and kind of get the intel to be able to drop targets. And that was the result. And I'd say like the last probably like the last year and a half, two years of of whaling content, a large majority of that has had some hand behind the scenes from some of the guys uh, sort of in the group. Yeah, I think um, I saw the beginning of that um, relationship of like Init and uh, and then you guys, right? I worked a little bit with uh, Lowland and you and um, Nick T. I'm not sure that I work with Nick T a little bit. I think so too, but um, you know, I was like at the end of my uh, kicky hunting times in, in it, I guess. But yeah, yeah, that's kind of when it when it all kind of started. Like we had a pretty big Discord going, and then like yeah, Deck, Lolan, like the Nikti, Sol, um, show a lot. Uh, would uh, would form many a kicky fleet. Um, so that was kind of the the main premise of the group was we went out there and we we found stuff to kill, and then we worked with blocks, um, which was predominantly show through in it. And then myself in goons to be able to go and kill those things and that resulted in a lot of frags for, for both those alliances and, and surrounding groups and, and good times um well recently that has pivoted into we want to play more aggressive we want to we have more a lot of us like just frankly have more adult responsibilities now so we don't have the time to dedicate to playing eve like continuously every single day um so we wanted to kind of look at okay how can we apply that but also do it at more intense time commitment, i.e. over like a two-week period where you're really playing like 15 hours a day, but in exchange of that have like a really small, like big goal, but like a small campaign time. And that's where kind of the, I'd say like the new version of AKC kind of formed, where 
I'd say probably what like October last year we we had what was called the Antigoon Whaling Club, which was the kind of group that was formed to at the time uh, aggressively hunt in Delve. Uh, and through that campaign, we killed about 805 Bill, to my knowledge, in in Delve and surrounding Imperium space. Uh, That's through not that too group. Bad. And then it was about three months of kills. And then after that, we then packed up shop, and uh, we are now here enjoying the fun times in Omist so, uh, as part of the war. How did you get roped into that? Or maybe, or maybe we should talk about like how this entire situation with XIX and so on came to be. Uh, but it's a it's a kind of a weird step for you guys to uh, hunt and dive and then be successful and stuff and then pack up and then suddenly fight on in its side uh, against XIX. But maybe maybe shines you wanna you wanna give us a little bit of the, like uh, like a short like history um, like of like how did we end up at this spot like with XIX? You wanna do that? Um, yeah, I mean it goes back to the war mostly, uh, like the the. World War B or Vietnam or whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> and I in that war, the big war, the big war, the big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that war, kind of initiative after we lost Fountain, we had some decisions we needed to make: whether we were going to pull back to Delve, and then whether we were just going to defend Delve with, with goons, or you know what we wanted to do. And we figured that the the best thing we could do, uh, because we. I mean, you, me, and Bliss discussed this. Obviously, we didn't want to leave the Imperium. It, it wouldn't have been right, the right thing to do. Um, you have to stand by your allies and, and all that. Uh, so we decided to pull back to Delve. We moved all our assets into Delve, except two Titans, uh, which got caught on a gate. Um, <laughs> got caught? Uh, I mean... <laughs> um, anyway, we, we moved into Delve, and then we kind of didn't want to just sit in Delve uh, because the war wasn't exactly on the Delve front, and we didn't think that was the best use of our time. So <clears throat> we... Uh, we Sorry, I have to conduit jump out of fleet here, and I'm just waiting for the sign-up right. to show up. What does it want? Shans is still seeing the fleet a little bit to get him home. <laughs> Don't double pay um, to keep those guys. That's cruel. <laughs> So we uh, we deployed uh, kind of around the place a little bit. We uh, sorry, food is being delivered as well. <laughs> Thanks. We um, we deployed down to Curse and uh, and a few different areas. But basically, one of the things that kept happening was that we would set up some structures and then Pappy would come and ref them. Uh, which is fine. Look, they did, they didn't want us going aggressive in their space. Um, we cleared out a bunch of legacy space, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was all great, and then we would jump on back to Delve whenever we were needed. Um, eventually, when we got to Curse and kind of set up in Curse, uh, Fire would come in and, and ref the structures, which again is fine. But what pissed us off was that they would uh, they would wait and they would call in um, Pappy, then like a, a thousand happy coming to curse to kill like an Athenor. We'd be all geared up to fight and you know that's just the way the war was and it's fine. Um but the chest beating that these guys done, holy fuck the chest beating was insane while hiding behind like a thousand people. And that never really sat right with us. So after the war then the war ends and we um are back in Fountain, we're rebuilding and we're kind of sitting there and, and everything's a bit boring. Uh, approaching Christmas because nothing is really happening. So we decided to deploy in January of last year, um, six months after the war had ended. 
about six months after the war had ended. And we said, why not go for fire? So we but went down for fire. But wasn't that, yep. so that's about esoteria though, right? It was. So. Initially, it was only about deploying for content. But as it turns out, um, people were getting pushed in an impasse. Uh, and then we did kind of AOM was falling apart then in esoteria. So yeah. we, we yeah. kind of merged it all into the one thing. Yeah, to make um, sure there's like blues in control of ESO. That's but like, because someone asked the question, like, I get asked that like every now and then, like what is happening right now and stuff. And I always start with like, yeah, technically, yeah. and it started deploying to make sure like Esoteria is in friendly hands, right? And then kind so, of from there it developed, right? During the war, one group that had kind of continuously helped us out on timers, whether we were winning or losing, I mean, goons did as well, but we didn't really want to ask goons for help because every time they left Delve, uh you know it left delve open so we would prefer to just fight outnumbered outside of delve and let goons do their thing in delve yeah but one mean, group that will continuously show up for us was rmc uh the red menace coalition and they would always show up to help in, in whatever numbers they could bring so uh with esoteria falling apart uh, i kind of convoed dodger and just said look esoteria is going to shit do you want to move here it might be better space than impasse uh, they said yes, so kind of it tied in with the deployment that we would get them set up down in Esoteria. Yeah, and I see, like when we deployed to Curse, like our job was to um, to drag uh, the enemy over there, right? That was, I mean, that was ninety yeah. percent of our job. Uh, and then dragging goons over there would have just you know been the opposite of what we wanted to achieve. So yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then what? So we did that. So we've done that. Um, a lot of obviously Faith Abolis and all those regions border Esoteria, so it just became the natural um, escalation, I suppose, that we we would push into Faith Abolis, and we had some really good fights against Fire. Again, like there was a lot of, I felt it was super toxic. Maybe that's me just being a bit too uh, personal about it, but they just weren't they weren't likable, if you, you know, if you can put it that way. Um, didn't like there was the a big drive. Yeah, there was a big drive then from from in it to just keep pushing their space. Um, that that went on for in different variations for about seven months, from January down until uh, August. Uh, we deployed with a Sig, and then we deployed the whole alliance, uh, and then we pulled back, and then goons decided they wanted to. Uh, invade mittens convoked me and said, "Hey, we're doing this. Are you in?" I said, "Right, okay." We'd only been back in Fountain three weeks, and then I was like, "Hey, sorry guys, pack your I shit remember. up again. We're deploying again." Dude, do you remember? Like after the first one, I was like, after a while, I was like, "Man, I don't know." And we all had the same feeling. We were like, I knew the tricky situation of like we kind of committed, but we kind of aren't. Like that wasn't really the plan. The good fights they're gone. Like since Hort deployed and stuff like this. Yeah. It was just too blobby and stuff, so there wasn't really that much to do. But then, man, you said it, right? You didn't like the guy. So I had the, like, I felt like, oh, no, are we going to get stuck here? Is Shine's going to be like, no, <laughs> till the end of days, you're going to be fighting here. But then you decided, like, no, this is not worth it, right? It's no good fights. Nobody really enjoys it. And we, like, who cares about the space? So I was so happy when we were back in Fountain. I had like some plans and stuff like this, right? But I kind of had to, like, you know, I didn't FC a whole lot at the time already. So uh, I kind of wanted to get back into it a little bit. 
And I was like in the process of getting back into, you know, and then it, suddenly it's like mittens, like, hey, we're we deploying supers or some shit, right? It's like, my God, <laughs> no. But yeah. And then suddenly we're in the same fight again, but this time with goons. Yeah. So yeah. like a, a lot had come out since, like there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Um, Fire had obviously surged out of, of their space. They had retaken everything that we had taken, which is, you know, fair play to them. Um, and a lot of that had gone unnoticed by the Imperium because this was very much a, just like an initiative and and um, some SIGs from goons. Uh, and there wasn't really any major investment in it outside of, of us just wanting to, to shoot fire um, because RMC had already been set up in Esoteria at that point. Um, and then fire started to push on uh, impasse with Horde and uh, Drakari's ended up losing a, a keep star that we weren't able to get in range of to defend in 68FT. Uh, and kind of at that point, Mitten's uh, head started to turn towards, like, the, you know, the eye of Mordor just started to turn towards the, the southeast. Uh, and uh, there was a conversation had, and we basically said, "Okay, we'll go." But like, you know, this we're not half arsing this. We're we're moving everything, super titans, uh, you know, and we, and we clear this out because I don't want to deploy again in six months' time. Uh, and he agreed, so that's what that's what we did, and it went well for a while. But then, uh, obviously, there was all the drama stuff that happened um, around uh, July, I think, last year. Um, uh, and then obviously Horde and, and Pappy and or not Pappy Horde and Pamfam and, and everyone else deployed against us, uh, and that deployment ended up just kind of <clears throat> uh, we hit a wall. And yes. uh, at that point, we had been deployed for seven months and we didn't see any way forward. So I just kind of said, "Fuck this," and we took everybody home. I always wondered if you if you think back uh, when the when that deployment happened, um, and then Mitten stepped down and Asher took over. Asha made that statement of like, yeah, we're going to take every fight and stuff like this, right? Like, very outspoken about it. Do you think that was a mistake? Because I always think like, man, that kind of gave Gobbins the green light to say, hey, we deploy and we can just sit here and be the defenders and they have to come to us because they said they would. If they don't, then they look like uh, they're not, uh, like Asha's not a man of his words, kind of, you know? Yeah, I, I, don't, I felt like that yeah. gave it that gave it that extra bit of oomph behind the horde deployment. Um, I look. I don't think it's. I well, I think anything that anybody says, like even everything that I'm saying right now, like given the history on it, can be turned against me. So I think I. I don't think it was the wrong thing to say. I think Mittens has some very big shoes to fill, and coming I mean, out strong. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Mitten's boots were very big. That's what I'm trying to say. Sorry. Asher had some very big boots to fill. Yeah, correct. Um, he, uh, you know, to come out with some to some strong statements and like encourage or reinforce the fact that Goonswarm was going to be fine was very important. So I think what he done was right. Um, but obviously, anything that's said publicly can be thrown back in your face very quickly. Uh, it's kind of like I, I wouldn't put it as severely as what Vili said about the you know extermination stuff, but it can be used in the same manner that we use that against Vili, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess you're right. Uh, you can always find like a way. 
uh, a way to use it, you know. Yeah, and then so and then that ended, and why are we back again? Like, what happened? What changed? What so changed? at the end, there was conversations that were had, and this is all public now, so like it's fine to talk about it. There was kind of gobbins that reached out to me from Panama Cord, um, because they didn't really want to prop up fire. Uh, I didn't pry too much because I didn't want to get him super defensive or anything like that. But you can see all the reasons he's listed them now in his pings. They're on Reddit uh, of why he didn't want to have to deploy to help fire. So um, kind of at that point, when that conversation started, initiative and goons had pushed in. We had taken all the space again in Fetabolus, Omist, uh, Tenerifus, and we were starting to push on Amensi. We had dropped our Keepstar in, in, on the border of Amensi. And, you know, it was looking like we were going to roll over fire. Uh, and at that point, I got conversations from Securitas and Gobbins to see could we work something out. Um, what goons and what the Imperium wanted on like the the higher level of things was to have our borders secure. So we didn't want groups to be coming in and and hitting our stuff like on our borders every day. So we were trying to to create buffer space, I suppose, around our areas. Um. So uh, and we weren't getting any fights because obviously we we outnumbered fire quite heavily with the full Imperium there. Um. So I kind of said, yes, that's fine, but it's going to cost them. Uh, we, I wanted, I think I asked for Immensi, Tenerifus, and Fetabolus, which were the regions we had already taken and we were about to take Immensi, would be left empty, that they would be, uh, the, that the blocks would not move into them, and that they would be left open for, you know, smaller groups to move into, but Imperium wouldn't move into them, uh, Horde or Pappy wouldn't move into them. Um, and that would create a natural buffer space while at the same time opening up space for, for groups to move into that wouldn't be hostile necessarily to either side. Um, they went away with that. Uh, I think they had a discussion with fire and that got rejected flat out um, because it was too, too costly. Um, and then obviously Horde and, and Pam Fam deployed and then um, unfortunately goons got headshot. Uh, for a week, uh, and then it, the deployment kind of fell apart. And at that point, when we were pulling back, I didn't really have any cards left to play. Uh, we had we were starting to lose the regions that we had taken, uh, and myself and Gobbins had a conversation because he was quite interested in um, in uh, having at least some regions that would be open for neutrals to move into that wouldn't be block affected. Um, so we had a conversation basically and said, look, if Fatabolus, uh if you know, can we agree on Fatabolus then instead of all the other regions? And and I felt that it was a starting point, at least something we could we could work from. Uh, and that's where that went. So they got Constantine to agree, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, obviously, I didn't see any conversations. I wasn't part of those conversations. It was uh, I was speaking on behalf of our side, and Gobbins was speaking on behalf of his side. But everything looked fairly okay. And then uh, basically Constantine. Uh, rejected it. He said that he needed the space and blah blah blah. Um, Gobbins asked if there was any way we could walk or like work around it, and I said no because initiative essentially would have become the uh, the Fatabolus police to defend fire. So the idea fell apart then. Um, and then so a couple one sec yeah, like Fatabolus people are gonna wonder like I wondered 
Like I didn't, I didn't uh, quite understand why Fedabulus, but at the time, you have like it was cleared up and nobody was in there. Nobody was living in there. It just like happened to be that region that's in the middle. Yeah. Kind of um, like open, right? So nobody like really needed it and it was free. And that's why it's about Faith Arbolus. Um In a perfect world, obviously for newer alliances, you would want more access to like an NPC region so people can actually move in there more easily and, you know, not have to cross any soft and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like, look, Fedabolus was because, like, you know, the, the truth of it is I had no more cards to play at that point. I, you know, we weren't able to force PamFam out of these regions anymore. Uh, so it was just, uh, it, it was what was left, and it was a it was a starting point that maybe we could work on again in the future. Um, and I just viewed it as better than nothing, basically. Uh, but you're right, and everyone who has said it is correct. Fedabolus is, is not a great region. It's not an easy region to get to. But uh, it was a starting point, basically. So, and then he says, no, we need the region. And Goblins felt betrayed. Um, that's how yeah. it came to be. Yeah, so, obviously there was conversations again had by, by them. And, and I, I don't know what happened in them, but there's some logs there. Um, on Reddit, at least. Or in yeah. Panama Court pings. I think Goblins has been fairly open about it. And how did uh, the, how did Vex and the guys? How did you guys get it uh, roped into this suddenly? Like uh, you were just approached, saying like, "Hey, this is about to happen. You want to join in?" Or like, how did that come to be? I think it was a two part thing. I think uh, for lack of a better term, we'd farmed Delve pretty hard, and uh, uh, Shines has seen us talk about this concept before, mostly with uh, trying to bonk Schwo on this with this concept of like sustainable whaling, whatever that is is intended to be. Um, Schwo is... <laughs> is talking about sustainable whaling. No, we we were talking to Schwo about trying uh, to. I started that conversation that. in that Discord. Remember, <laughs> I was trying to to slow Schwo down. I was like, dude, if you kill everything that moves, like there's not going to be anything left in a week or, or whatever. And then Schwo's like, yeah, you're right. Now. Yeah, remember, remember. And then Schwo goes like, like yeah, yeah, he's right, guys. Yeah, maybe we should, you know. Make uh, make an effort of like leaving some like supers alive, so not every super that undocks things like I'm gonna die in five minutes. And then what happens the next day? The it's same, like three the pigs same day killing we supers all day. Three yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, like I'm like I I, I, tr be, I tried. <laughs> to be honest, the Eve community who's not blue to initiative should thank us for deploying because well calms down every time we deploy <laughs> for a bit yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe it's all just a conspiracy goblins just wants to save the supers on uh, on our side so he's like talk to you to to get you deploy so to stop uh, to stop the show yeah. so his supers can he's just a, make ticks he's a spooky man i think uh, i don't think anyone will uh, will debate that he is he's very spooky but uh that's the conversation that we were all having right and then you know, with delve um, we kind of like started ramping up in Delvmore, and then obviously when I left uh, Goons, and we kind of started ramping up what at the time was called the anti-Goon Whaling Club stuff. Like that got pretty pretty big. I mean, I think at one point we had like 150 people on a Discord, and we were like dropping dreads every week. It got pretty pretty big in terms of scale. Uh, we had like groups from all over the game with jump glint set and like whatnot. So it was a it was a pretty pretty nice tool to be able to get a lot of kills. But what we found was that uh, the, the number of marauders that we were killing because it was a big thing we were just dropping like you know 10 marauders 10 blops on every marauder that moved we were dropping on every super we were dropping on every dread 
Um, we were dropping hypers and all the dreads, etc. Well, it was less that we got predictable, to be honest. Um, with all due respect to goons, like they didn't really do much to stuff us. Like it, it got pretty ridiculous at what we were able to get away with. It's the cost um, of doing business just, for them, right? They just stopped undocking, right? Like oh. the reality was that, like the the general narrative narrative that we heard from just reading in like uh like general chats from different corps was that oh, you should just go and use your capitals in ESO or Paragonsol because it's safer to crab there than it is to crab in. Delve, right? Because <laughs> you moved there. <laughs> I don't know if anyone actually moved there, but like, you know, we we didn't really follow them. But like, it, the the point here being that like we were at a point where, okay, like there really isn't much left for us in Delve anymore. It wasn't that sustainable, huh? We, yeah, the concept of sustainable whaling didn't really apply. We 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 just fragged everything. I think, as I said, it was eight hundred build killed in like three months, which is is pretty good going for again what was started as a group of like you know, five to ten people. Um, so we actually announced, much to uh, I'm sure the joy of, of Shines and Co, despite our, our good relationship with Fountain and, and the, the Init guys, uh, we announced, oh, we're going to go to Fountain. We're going to take all of the guys that we have here, we're going to ship up Lobsters to Fountain, and we're going to go and go and try and apply the same thing we've done in Delph, apply it to Fountain. Uh, I think uh, I, I didn't do a lot of this personally. This was around the time where I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm stepping back from the game for a bit. I need to go and like do some IRL stuff because I just moved across Atlantic from the UK to Canada. So I didn't do a lot of the fountain stuff personally at all. But the general feedback I'd heard from the guys was two things. A, when they crossed the regional with us with supers, the number of crab beacons that they saw that they could drop on, like dramatically dropped, like the dreads that they could drop on with their supers. Uh, and then B, just generally like you know, respectfully to it, you guys are a much more pain in the ass to drop on when it comes to blobs. <laughs> um, nice I know uh, I heard Lowland molding two days in because getting uh, dictors and signers around was far more painful in uh, Fountain than it was in Delve. Like in Delve, we could gate everything around and basically we'd just get ignored and we could drop on stuff. And like yeah. there were times where you would drop supers or something, kill it, be safed up, and be logged off before a response fleet would form. Whereas in Fountain, we found that like, oh, if you gate a recon around, like. 10 angry Kiki's going to show up and try and kill your recon straight away. So, yeah, I think generally people underestimate uh, how important that is. Like, it's usually FCs or people that are very involved with the fleet and stuff that are moving the dicta, the sneaky dicta for that op in an hour or the scout or whatever, or the, you know, or the sign or whatever. And uh, to kill that dicta or that recon at the right time, man, that can be so fucking painful, right? You never know where that scout just came from. Maybe he had to travel that scout like 30 jumps out um, and stuff like this. So, you know, having little camps, and that happened to me plenty of times, right? Like having that little camp that just catches that one dicta here, that one dicta there, man, that's already so painful for like hunters and stuff, right? Uh, I think it's uh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> If you're in the Fountain Intel channel, though, and somebody gets reported, uh, and if you watch the B170 Keepstar, you can already see like Hellgast and T grads and all these dudes just undocking corp fleets to go and try and catch these people. It's it, it's great content for people, but yeah, I mean, it's going to add to all that. Yeah, there's some specialists for this kind of stuff. Yeah, some people are always the, on the ball with it. That's the difference, though, I think we found between Fountain and Delve is in Delve, their home defense is very was very blops based and us being in blops and doing what we do like you're, you're just not going to catch us by tackling a marshal on a gate because we just know oh that's mike we're not going to do that or that's vintage we're not going to do that so with fountain it was like oh there's just a lot of dictors and like small nano stuff running around and uh, to your point Pando, it's extremely frustrating when you're trying to like 
gate dictors and log off dictors for supers later in the day, and like like you're just like gating into dictors twenty four seven, like killing your dictors. It's 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 not frustrating in the isk loss. It's just the the time and sanity loss. I mean, as I said, I just think you remember joining commons one day and listening to Lola mold for twenty minutes because he'd fed like three dictors in a recon because <laughs> exactly. some grad guys were camping a gate. Uh, and sadly, <laughs> I know exactly how that feels. Uh, that happened to me before. Like you're setting stuff up, you have an op in like so and so many out, like but you need to move that sneaky dictor in, right? And then you want it next door, but then you can't really. And then there's a little camp here, a little camp there, and then there's some relentless. You know who was always a pain in the ass with that was always the Chinese guys up in. Um, Back in the day, they were in VDV, uh, Vandy, Vandy, VC. Gnodi, yeah, 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 these guys. Um, what's the what's the region called again? Next Cobalt to Tina. Cobalt Edge, correct. Yeah, yeah. Those guys were always such a pain to move stuff around. They were always having a camp here, camp, camp there, and then they would have like a, a handful of guys just hunting you. And then even if you manage to just get to the Destiny and log off. You then know, they know exactly you locked off there and they give that enter and then your chances of success later on just go down, right? So it's like, uh, there are certain groups that are really, oh man, a pain, just a pain to, to deal with, right? I think it's underrated the impact that small corpse undocking small like nanoships and just general like home defense stuff can have on larger home defense like harassment happening in your space. Like simply yeah, just undocking the dictor, undocking a few kikis, whatever, actually has a huge impact. And I think that's sort of what you know. If you were to compare again, like we're comparing here, uh, sort of delve to fountain. That's the big difference. Um, I will say this is really funny. Waking just tagged us all in a message in the same Discord <laughs> from uh, the what? This is like uh, October 2021. Um, we said Deck had said it's been about four months of almost a rock a day. Uh, I know you said after the massacre that went on for the last month, so I think it takes a year or so for the rock population to recover. I'd say a month is a good start to see if there's any effects. And you coined it no rock October. And then exactly. uh, immediately the next day, we went and killed everything. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? I wasn't even aiming for it to be like a constant thing. I just wanted to at least do do the science behind it and have like a no, no rock month, like where we don't go out and hunt. And then for everyone to see the data maybe i was wrong because i mean if you look at it now shavu is still going crazy and he's finding targets every day so maybe i was just not right with it anyway so maybe there was no point in like slowing down no matter what but i think it's the quantity of targets though like back then we could undock our spies and stuff and find like five different options in an hour whereas like now it's like uh you could undock your spies and you find one option yeah one good option a day so it's yeah. The, the quantity of, of, of targets is definitely on the lower side, which is, I guess, a, a nice segue into how we're in Omist, because basically the conversation that happened, which is the, the second part of why we decided to leave Fountain pretty quickly, was um, Waking had decided, I think, to ping about us like every day or something in USTZ. So, I saw like, every day it was a, <laughs> It was a combination of your home defense was really annoying, and then every day you guys were, were taking the megaphone and going, hey, these guys are here. Fuck with them, right? <laughs> so th those two... Uh, Two factors. It was like, oh, well, this is just this is just kind of annoying. Like we, we're not saying we want it low effort. Like I think people get a lot of joy putting the effort in, but it's also like, you know, we don't want to deal with like the constant like counter harassment. It was just, frankly, it was just much easier just to go back and farm Delve if you do uh, again compare the two. So the conversation, to my knowledge, was was very much a shines. You kind of come to us and said, hey, we're gonna go do this thing. There's gonna be content here. Like maybe you guys could kind of look over here. 
and then we had equally said to you, like, smooth. hey. <laughs> Which I, was a very smooth attempt uh, from Shai. It's like, well, I'm not scared of you, but could you go somewhere else, please? <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a polite way of saying, hey, if you could just look over there, that'd be great. And then from our side, it was like, you know, hey, if we could make this work for us, then, like, A, there was a little bit of, like, this could be really funny. And then B, it was, you know, hey, we could probably make some money and, and get some frags. So what we ended up agreeing was, hey, if you, if you set us blue, like we'll say you blue vice versa the collective imperium that is and then if you kind of give us a, a chunk of space we'll just go take care of that chunk of space for you um so that you guys can focus on actually what you like your priorities your war priorities without spending time like glassing regions that are in the grand scheme of things not relevant to the outcome of the war but regions that still need to be dealt with and that being omist in this case so we agreed that we would go down to omist we would gloss omist completely we'd deal with eastwind and then um, shines and, and obviously the rest of rest of in it and other groups like I know Drakaris are down now, IGC are down, etc. All of those groups could go focus on hitting uh, Faith, you know, Tenny, etc. Kind of covering in from all of those other angles so that ultimately you guys could get to your end goal quicker, which yeah. is, is where we ended up being in Omist. I think similar to what you said, um, the nano guys in big groups are under us or undervalued. Same goes for small groups that can just work on their own. Are completely undervalued too right it's so it's such a useful thing to have like even if it's just a small group i don't know how many guys you got right now but uh, let's say like you have like a 20-man fleet a 20-man fleet on their own they can do all kinds of shit to just like they can tie up a hundred dudes on their own like that takes a hundred dudes out of another fight you know what i mean it's a it's such a useful thing or to just say these 20 dudes are so active in this region they just keep that region from uh, keeping the ADMs up. So by the time other regions are being grinded, that ADM is so low, it's going to be like a, a two-day job. And we've done that before um, within it, right? Like grind an entire region in two, three days. Um, if the ADM is low, no big deal. You can just like flip that super quick, right? Um, I think small groups, they have, a, like, they have way more value um, to them than um, people might think. And that makes me so sad whenever people say like, oh yeah, it's a natural thing that like every group always wants to just be bigger, bigger, bigger. I, I would just love to like, it would be so nice for people to see see it more like that, you know? It's better to have like an independent smaller group or two rather than like one big group that has to do just one thing that's like very, not very flexible and stuff. Um, that's actually one of the, the main reasons why the uh, shines can you go look over here kind of worked for us um, because uh, you know face value like we could have stayed in Fountain we would have had to work harder but we, we probably would have got kills let's be but honest. you also knew and it's not going to be home mostly right yeah we knew it is not going to be home and like you know we a lot of us like we, we love the guys that were all involved in the anti-whaling club stuff but like that was getting to a point where it was getting pretty like, all right, now we're managing Horde and telling Horde SCs like how to play the game, respectfully. Like some of them are not great with the whaling stuff. Um, you're like bat phoning Horde fleets, you're dealing with this, you're organizing these guys. It's just like there's a lot of coordination, there was a lot of like um just like micromanagement of varying degrees. Um so one of the big things that was like, oh, this makes sense for us is we are like 18 people and we just thought, okay, if we call this group to like 18 people that we really like playing with, that we really want to log in and play with in really short intensive bursts and then go and take a break for three months to go and do IRL and it's fine. Nothing's gonna just disappear and, and, and be bad. That's 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 a win for us. That's that's gonna be enjoyable for us and how we want to play the game. Um while also allowing us to play the game in a super aggressive way. 
which is how you know when we were evaluating the Uma's decision, it was like, okay, this kind of makes sense. Like there's content here, great. Okay, being blue is going to be hilarious because it's going to ask to a move really easily and b uh, we know it ruffled a few feathers. Also added some some added uh, added fun there. And then um, I think m most importantly, the bottom line was it got a very small group consolidated of, of 18 of us into a place where we could do, okay, two weeks of like extremely focused, very long days. Like I know a couple of folks took days off work, for example. And it was like, okay, let's go really hard and let's just crush almost and cr crush Eastwind. And the result was, you know, I think uh, this was funny for everyone. I remember we sent screenshots to Shines when we, when we moved in. We moved... Uh, was it like 23 supers and four titans down to Omist and then supporting subs from our, our group of 18. And then what was it like? We set 110 timers in the first 24 hours. So then I said, fuck this and pinged in it and made, made the uh, equivalent amount of timers in, in faith. It can't be outdone by like 23 supers. Yeah, it was pretty, it got pretty ridiculous with these ones. I mean, that's, Did that's you how Omist kind of started. Did you follow? Yeah, we did. Because that's usually the struggle, right? You can make timers, you know, at your own time. Because, like, obviously you, you can't, like, you know, can't show up at the wrong time for, for the initial one. But then to follow up on all these timers, now you ha you're on a clock, you know what I mean? That's usually gets This is uh, where the, the alarm clocking comes in, right? Because what happened was you got a bunch of guys in, like, EU and USTZ at, like, reasonable times who will just, like, go around and bash stuff. And, I mean... Almost was like dead in those TCs. Like literally, we were gating around supers like no care in the world. Like there was, there was nothing. It was completely dead. Um, and then all the timers would obviously roll to CNTZ. So like we'd be waking up at like I don't remember when we when we hit the keep start for the first time. We uh, we were have to keep stop with like fifteen supers. I remember Nicky waking up at midnight <laughs> so he could get online and give us an extra super to ref the keep start. So there was a lot of like alarm clocking, like very uh, try hard Eve. To uh to make it work with turning up the timers, uh, we had to re-roll a lot. Like we're still working through timers now, but for the most part, we we've been killing everything that we hit. I mean, the latest number that I looked at after today, and obviously recent events, we've been stirring up a little bit of a little bit of fights for everyone. Uh, is we've killed 475 bill in this campaign so far. So it's what two weeks in. So not, pretty, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Decent number. Yeah. Albeit, I've had my super in the process, but hey, it's fine. That's what, you know, what uh, SLP is for. <laughs> since, like, so there's the CSM summit is coming up, and uh, I kind of wanted to go ask you guys, and I, I probably will at the end, like, what do you guys think? Like, what would be a, a, a big thing that you would wish would be talked about at the summit? I feel like one thing, obviously, people know, like, I'm not a huge fan of Citadels, but thinking about it, like, you. You guys grinded down all these citadels. What do you think of like a, a drop rate on citadels? Like, not saying keep stars, four desires, astros, which are supposed to be staging citadels. I'm not even too much after those to have like a drop rate. You know, I would probably be okay with a 10% one or whatever. But if it's 0% on those, I'm still fine. But like, what about like industry citadels? Like, shouldn't there be something of value dropping um at least to an extent but what do you guys think well stuff already drops from the industry stuff if it's in build when it dies yeah so once it goes into but you're talking personal assets that are just chilling in station yeah yeah i mean if you kill a sotillo of a big group let's say you kill the the primary xix sotillo 
shouldn't that be a big enough target that's hard enough to kill to um, then drop something at the end? You know, uh, you know, I don't know, fifty percent drop rate. At the very top end, though, I would agree. Like in, in that context, but for me, where this is a more important conversation is when you think about it from the the risk versus reward and income perspective of smaller groups. And one of the things that I've seen from comparing, I've pretty much spent my entire Eve life in goons, pretty much up until leaving, you know, in what, October, November. One of the things I've seen is really challenging for a lot of the small groups that we now work with is making money through activities in Null for those groups who hold small amounts of SOV is a real challenge for them. And making the, the risk and reward of going and pushing in a region and, and bashing some structures and killing a strategic uh, place of Satio or, or something else isn't really worth it often in the grand scheme of things. Um, because the cores themselves aren't you know worth worth a lot, usually. Um, I never understood the core thing, honestly. I never understood so, where that's know, come, coming from. I think when you ask the question of, like, is there to be a drop rate or something, it's like, that's one way of solving it. But like the bottom line is, whatever the, whatever the change is, in my mind, the change should be prioritizing making it worthwhile to get out in space and fight over things more often, specifically catering for smaller groups to be fighting more. Because right yeah. now, it feels like the game is very catered towards very large format kind of set piece fights for groups the, the size of the But wouldn't that be the case? See, the, the idea is so the idea of the cause that we have is that. So whoever puts up a citadel has a has to like have something on the line, and whoever kills it gets something for it. But it's just not worth my, enough. Yeah, yeah. Like my, in my opinion, it, no, it's not worth enough for any bigger group because like it's peanuts for one single guy. Like if you could solo a citadel like that, yeah, sure, it would be worth it. But like also, it doesn't scale with the amount uh, with the with the size of the target. The target is not the Sotio or the Astros or whatever it is. The target is the alliance that holds it, right? So if like if there's an init or a horde citadel and you kill that thing, it, it's a bigger target, right? It's harder to kill because the group is bigger. So it should scale with it. And the only way to scale it with that is to have a percentage drop rate, in my opinion, right? Like there's no other way that I see at least. I think there's a couple of ways you can look at that. I think the fact that it wasn't introduced from the start with Citadels means that they can never really introduce it because it's I, already been that way for so yeah. long. I understand. Yeah. The other the other thing I would have is right now, um you can look at like look at what's happening in the South right now, like Initiative and, and Pan Farm are pushing in on fire. They have no real chance to defend things. Like they, they are defending stuff here and there, like jump bridges and stuff, but if we want the Sotio to die or a Keepstar to die, it's going to die, and there's nothing they can do about it. Now, um, there's the reason for us doing that right now is is separate to anything to do with drops or loot or anything like that. But if you're a small group uh, and you're close by to bigger groups, and suddenly you have structures that have a chance of dropping loot, there's a reason to go wipe out all the little guys. But there's That's also a reason... There's also a reason to hit the bigger guys suddenly. It's a better target. There's better loot drop, right? It's a dangerous game, though, because what happens is, like, if we look at the, the, the current war, right? You look at Eastwind. There's a great quote from, you know, I don't know if this person is, is anyone in Eastwind beyond a, a line member, but I think there's a good summary of, like, the current situation from the small group perspective versus a larger group is, like, the Eastwind guys in Omist 
all of their holdings there when they've been posting and there's a quote that was posted today in the in their discord when they were talking with other fire guys they said hey we have this fortazar that's coming out today are we defending this fort or not and then someone goes in almost what have you been smoking and the guy turns around and says i know i know no one cares about small alliances we're not big like razor and that's what we've seen like consistently from the eastern guys where i would actually give them a lot of credit like they are in the grand scheme of things a smaller group than fire and the other um sort of fire member groups no one has come to help them their, their shit's just been rolled maybe we should I just actually, maybe you I, should just tell them to move to faith Avalos and you know build up again. I, I read that i read that quote on the discord if you scroll down a little bit vex you'll see another fire remembers uh saying something about you didn't pay your rent or something stupid like it's <laughs> it's it's ridiculous though right because it's like they are a group where you know they actually have active people in cntz they are trying to grow they are trying to contribute and build something for the game build a community and they are like now they're going to lose agree in the grand scheme of things a lot of isk even in current terms in in terms of the structures and they've had no help at all yeah like, would even, you even the traps they set to punish us they did everything themselves they funded the dreads etc I was going to say that Dread bombed you twice, which is more like that's that's more of a statement than anyone else has put up. I, I, we are very impressed the fact that like a group to their size and scale spent like from what, from what we understand, pretty much a week planning to Dread bomb us once and then tried again a second time, using from what we now have been able to confirm, all of the remaining Dreads they had in the region to try and kill us because no one else came to help them. Like if that's not like an that. attempt, like that's you know credit to them where credit is due, right? Give but faith, again, it comes back go. to yeah, this kind of, kind of concept of like, should you go after a bigger target, smaller target, etc.? Like, how does that dynamic work? Like, the small guys get screwed in these kind of situations, well, right? Because even if if you increase the drop rate, right? If you increase the drop rate of structures, then doesn't that just make it even harder for small groups to want to go and establish themselves in someone like Faith, mm, where it's not connected I, to NPC? So that's why I distinguish between staging citadels and industry citadels, right? Because like whenever you say citadels, they they they're always put into one big group, but actually you should say engineering complex and refineries. But um, obviously, like if the rule was a drop rate from the beginning on citadels, it would be the behavior would be a different one too, right? People wouldn't put that much um, of their assets into a sotio or into a thingy. Which is one of the reasons why Supers and Titans, like the whole debate of like why Supers and Titans, the proliferation and stuff, like it's the safety too, right? Like Sotio is super hard to kill. Like the damage cap, the the three timers uh, and stuff like this, you know, it, like that's why they were so fucking, you know, that's why everyone jumped on the whole Citadel thing because it was so safe. And as a safety on top of that, I think um, it was just an overkill, right? Um, so yeah, I think if you change the rules, the behavior will change too, right? Um, well, I mean, they've done that. Do you remember when they changed the abandonment? To yeah, the it wasn't well then, done. Yeah. 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 I just Obviously, feel like Eve would lose so many so, players from. Yeah. You so you have to also do it right, in my opinion, right? So let let's just assume. Um, CCP goes out and says like, okay, we put a let's say twenty five percent drop rate. On all engineering complexes and refineries, and the TO, uh, sorry, and uh, Keepstars, forts, and so on, they stay the same. Okay, they keep the asset safety; it's all the same. But um, then they would have to give everyone enough of a grace period, right? Saying, okay, this change is coming, and it's coming to at this day, 
right? Let's say six months from now. That's it's a long time. And then and in six months from the day of the announcement, if someone didn't log in since before that announcement, it's still that person should still have its asset safety. Because obviously that character, that person is still under the old rule set, right? So if that guy then logs in a year after the actual change happens, his shit shouldn't be gone, okay? It should be in asset safety just as he would expect because he didn't pay attention to the Eve news if he's not playing Eve, right? So I think there's totally a way to avoid the shit show that they that they uh, had in like with the abandoned thing in high sec and so on and stuff like this, right? I think there's certainly a way. I think it's very it hard to implement those kind of rules though in a player base now that like does have a very big split between the more casual player who is just you know joining their fleet a day from their pings and, and maybe doing a little bit of mining or a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But for the most part, like taking it pretty easy versus the people who play it maybe to the level of activity that we play it here. That kind of change would be extremely damaging potentially for those casual players who maybe they don't log in and play for a few months. So you'd have to have something like a mechanic where to what you're saying, like you're protecting that player that's not logged in. But I, I just it'll be a, a doomer, I guess, for like I just don't see that that type of mechanic being something that we'd ever see actually implemented, unfortunately. Yeah, maybe not. <clears throat> I was just well, curious what well, your take is. <laughs> I think the level of rage quit from people would be too much that we would just lose a lot of the population of Eve when it went wrong for them. Yeah, hundred percent. I think once we get below a critical mass, like the game's going to really struggle. Right? So yeah, I mean, we've seen it in the past. How much of anyone's personal assets are in a Sotio or uh, Tatara or whatever it is, right? Like, so. I'm not asking for a 100% drop rate either. So, um, like, how much can you realistically lose of your stuff? I think it's... Trillions. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yes, trillions, but trillions for a multi-trillionaire is not the same as uh, a billion for, like, uh, uh, just a billionaire, you know? <laughs> it's like... Yeah, but you, you as an FC, uh, and, like, most of the three of us probably as FCs don't keep our stuff in Sotios and stuff like that. But I, I can tell you the industrialists who are in initiative, for example, have mountains and mountains of stuff that they, they use industrial structures for. So I don't know. I, I just think I think there yeah. I think it would be shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah, like but yeah. I mean obviously uh, um yeah, I don't wanna, you know, get stuck on this topic, but uh, like I said, I think uh, if that rule was implemented, I think the behavior would obviously change, right? People would say, like, okay. Uh, I know this is like there is a risk to it now, so I gotta be a little bit more careful. And then you know, but yeah, whatever. I think if you, I think if you take it back to where you where you very first started, which is the topics of CSM, I think the the summary for me would be whatever the mechanic is, whether it's something that impacts structures or is an entirely new system, there needs to be something that a encourages smaller groups to be out in space in a more consistent regular cadence. You know, what what. You know, we go back to the very first bit we started on with saying, you know, the guys in Fountain are out kind of jumping in doing home defense regularly. Ways to incentivize that more and make it so it's not just a cultural thing within our one specific alliance, but is consistent across the board would be good for the greater health of the game in my mind. And then hand in hand with that, making it so that smaller groups in NullSec and in LowSec can have regular income streams. I think solve both of those problems because they do go hand in hand. And generally you're going to see more ships out of space, more things blowing up, and and, and everyone. Yeah, but how do we good. achieve it? That's always the question, right? Like, what kind of change do you think would achieve that? Um, 
one thing that I have thought of on and off is, uh, <clears throat> you know, the way you've got missions or achievements in, in the game already. What if as a corporation, you could, there was like a corporation LP store and you were able to set like, um, like for example, initiative done the bounty program. You remember the bounty program over the deployment Yeah. where we said, if you kill a miner, you get X amount of money. If you I kill a rat, you get X amount of money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of our guys made a uh, 16 billion isk by himself over the course of six months. So 16 billion isk in bounties. But if there was an in-game mechanic to allow that, so if you say, well, if you kill X, Y, and Z in Fountain, you, you get, get an LP. Yeah. And then or you, you get can, payout from the Alliance wallet. And then you have an LP like shop manager who puts items in the LP shop. And Could people be. can just buy it. Or you might get Alliance bonuses for being in your space. I really love that idea, and I would hope CCP do it. Alliance bonuses like, to be in your yeah, own space? Yeah, could you imagine if you got like 10% damage bonus to NPCs in your space, anywhere with your solve? Like, how cool would that be? You like these NPC changes like... that don't mean anything to PvP, but that would be super cool for PvE. I don't know. You, you can actually make it a win for everybody by simply saying those sites are worth more money. Because then also by increasing the value of sites, by encouraging people to be active, you're encouraging people to be even more active because the people who aren't doing the site content will go out and crab. And the people who are crabbing will then get dropped. You then have more home defense opportunities. You have more people like me who go out and do the whaling. So you have those mm. kind of fleets. You have the defense fleets to save the people getting dropped. Like that is, you know, fundamentally like the good life cycle of Eve, right? You've got kind of everything covered there. So I actually really like that. But as well, like there's other things they could do. Like I would love to see, and we've talked about this panel from both sides of it. But like the bosun nerf, like undo the bosun nerf, get ratting titans back into havens, please. Yeah, oh, I yeah, mean, please we, just, just do anything to get did, supers and titans. Yeah. stuff. That'd I mean, be, we did push. For that and we got the the crab beacons out of it right so and there are people running crab beacons is it quite as much as we would all love to see i don't know but um you know at least we have crab beacons but yeah i agree i don't i never understood quite the the the, the boson nerf like why that particular thing i mean at the time supers and titans were kind of the answer to everything right and that always bothered me um, but I always thought the boson was at least a skill shot, right? So it's like there was skill involved, like in landing it. So, um, yeah. in a PvP environment, it never really bothered me too much. So, yeah. And you could bait them, right? How often did we kill a Titan that tried to boson us? A right? couple of times. I think <clears throat> CCB should. Uh, have all the statistics for it but like if you look even just something simple like the um increasing the brm from 50 percent to 100 percent floor like how many more people did that put in space like for me looking in a significant amount uh if i oh, look at yeah, initiative, i don't have the stats like, but yeah you know so anything that can do exactly what vex says just get people in space it doesn't matter if they're making a ton of money if they're putting risk into it like bulls and titans are super risky and they make decent this. They make what a crab beacon would make, but they're very like it's very risky. Yeah, and, but um, also there is a bit of a well. there's a but there's also a bit of a work thing behind it, right? Having it, the strons already there, you have to refill it all the time and stuff like this. So there's at least some something there. You know what I mean? There's like it's not just like free bosons all day. Yeah, you yeah. can actually see the the impact of the beer own change in real time. <laughs> But we we saw it when we looked at our our killboard because the number there of paladins that were around Delph was like huge. Like it was, well, it was a huge spike in the number of marauders that were around Delph. 
I mean, if you look at the, if you look at, you can look at the um, ratting bounties uh, for a region. Like, it's not going to be a precise thing, but if if the increase has been more than fifty percent in a like a region that's been super farmed already, then that should tell you that they're like fifty percent or more that there is um, people out ratting, like more people out ratting and stuff. Yeah. Um. So. It is an hour. I don't know when your timer. When was your timer? It's basically right now. But uh, right? Didn't you see? Uh, there's other people sorting it all. We've got a good FC team there. All right, all right, nice. That's what I told you. Like, dude, just have someone else FC it. It's fine. <laughs> I know. Sunday night, I like hanging out with them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wanted to like one point I wanted to bring up too was Faction Warfare, right? So. I kind of took a break from Eve during the whole introduction of the new faction warfare system, but shines you figured uh, uh, you would you you would have a look at it, and you grabbed a couple guys. Um, I was flying around with you guys like twice, I think. Um, but um, what do you think of the whole uh, rework um, so far, like faction warfare? Because I think CSM summit wise, that's gonna be a big. Obviously, we're going to sit there and talk about Faction Warfare quite a bit, right? So I would love to, to get some input there. So, la 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 la, yeah. La 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 la, yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, myself and V had been talking and we said, all right, this is something we want to do. So we made, uh, we've been playing a lot of Age of Empires and we went and made the Holy Galent Empire. We joined Galent Faction Warfare. Uh, our ticker is Wololo, which is a lot of fun. We're playing on unaffiliated alts, so people didn't know it was uh mr v or dark shines or you know other people who were who were out pvping and it was a lot of fun like uh, i think i made 10 billion isk on my alt um with blueprints uh like selling blueprints and stuff for very little money like you're spending maybe 20 million isk on a frigate and as long as like you die like there there is pvp which is awesome and there's small gang pvp which was really cool as well and while there was nothing else going on in the game Lots of fun. I, I didn't really do faction warfare beforehand, so I couldn't tell you a comparison. But like we spent, uh, we spent probably a month, I think, or a couple of weeks at least, with just going out with a group of people, like five, ten people, and looking for uh, looking for fights in the area. And because it was a new, you know, a new mechanic and it had been changed, people were super hyped about it, and there was always targets. Um, but like what I really liked about it from kind of the overall thing is that was a really good way for people to make money, bizarrely. Um, like, you know, the whole you don't make much money through PvP. Uh, well, not the case here. Like if you're doing sites and you, you kill people, you get LP. If you do the sites and, uh, you know, manage to complete it, you get LP. Uh, everything you've done was geared towards putting money in your pocket, which was really cool. Um, like with a Tristan, a Tristan is what I was using, and then some Rifters and some other stuff, like all super basic stuff, uh, 10 billion isk at the end of it. Um, and obviously, like I had I had more knowledge than a new player and stuff like that, and, and so did the people we were flying with. But even still, like if you're if you're making two or three billion isk over a month uh, just by, by PvPing and doing faction warfare, like I think that's really, really good. Um, the downside of it is it's a little bit repetitive and there is no benefit to winning uh, in a system. So the way Faction Warfare works is that you've different sides. The way we, where we were, it was Galent versus Kaldari. 
you basically push on, you go in and you do sites. And the more sites you do, the more the system flips to your side. And eventually when it flips to 100% your side, you can kill the iHub and you claim the system. That's actually a disadvantage to your side because it moves the frontline systems from where right you're on. making money further away. Mm. So the best scenario you could actually have in factual warfare is to stage in a crossroads system where you could have three or four hostile systems surrounding you that are all frontline systems. And then you undock and one jump away, you're you're in the um you know, you're you're making the maximum money, you're getting the the most likely areas to fight in and stuff like that. So, and even taking an iHub, like uh, you can go in and spend 10 minutes taking a, a small site and winning that small site. And I think you walk away with about 20k LP or, or something like that, maybe 15k LP. If you put all the effort into flipping an iHub, and by the way, these things have HP. <laughs> so it's not a, it's not a case you're just undocking and uh, like in a rifter and going and shooting this thing. You have to have a fleet to do it. Uh, you get, I think, 700 LP or something. So that's one part that they just haven't upgraded at all in, in Faction Warfare. So I really think there needs to be a reason um, for you to take space. Sorry? Do you have any ideas? Like like something like what could they do to yeah, give like, more incentive? I mean, it would be a multiplier, right? But I, I know there there is in the previous faction warfare the mechanics they had they had something that benefited you getting more space but all that happened then was people would swap sides so everyone would join the winning team or the losing team uh mm. to get the multiplier but um i i don't have any ideas like well thought out but i just know that there would need to be something to um to drive actually taking space yeah yeah i mean it makes sense right um yeah, like I said, I didn't spend enough time for to to have like too much of insight there. Um, but yeah, I agree. I know. With the like, so the, you say the the biggest issue is the the distance. It's not a massive issue. I mean, you're talking seven jumps, but it's it's more just like there's no incentive. Like you're actually putting yeah. yourself at a disadvantage by taking systems. Um. But I know, like, you know, all of that aside, like, for the group that we were playing with, we had three or four people who, you know, maybe wouldn't have said anything on comms before were, um, you know, we were 20 people on comms or whatever, and people were talking, and people who didn't FC before were suddenly FCing, or, you know, all these, it's basically you're, you're turning from, like, for us, it was turning from a blob into a kind of like a small gang uh, hybrid or something where people were doing stuff that we had never done before. So all that was really cool to see as well. Um, yeah. I think that's where the main benefits have come from, right? Like all the groups that have been coming at it from a, a null perspective have had a lot of people step up and sort of experiment with new roles and kind of play a, a different part of the game, maybe a different scale than they they previously have seen from was he comparing joining a, a larger format in it fleet compared to something like that. That yeah. said, I think that while in the context of, of you guys with your 20 people having a good time because of those reasons and kind of putting yourself out of your comfort zone, it being an enjoyable experience, I do think any time the, the, the statement is it's detrimental for us to win in this gameplay mechanic, that's like just a fundamental flaw where CCP should be having sirens going off in the office saying like, we've made a mistake here. <laughs> something Something's not quite working. Because yeah. the, the concept of we want you to win and take systems like that is the definition of winning. And then when you win, it's actually objectively worse for you to win. I mean, that's just bad gameplay design, right? Let's be 
be direct about it. It's not really mm, a good system. Yeah. I do think that the I mean, like overall the system is a lot of fun. Um and what they've put in there, like it's very popular. Like the the, the population in Losec has boomed because of it and it's cool. Um it's a little bit repetitive. You have to find ways to, you know, keep yourself going. And what I found is that with the deployment and everything, I've just lost all interest in faction warfare because I'm doing this. But you know, maybe once the deployment's over, we'll be back and, and doing the faction warfare stuff again. What about when the allegiance system is going to be introduced? Um, what do you think is going to happen? Is every is every big group in the game going to point to uh, to one faction and say like we're going to be this and this? And I then, don't know. It's, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and then the the, the activity is going to be even higher. What do you think? Um, and we join on Ma. Yeah, that's what I heard. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I. I... They, I, I, there's a lot of people going to be interested in it, I think. It depends what way CCP play it. My hope is that the mechanic will only be live in Faction Warfare zones. So that if you sign up for Amar or Galent, that it doesn't affect anything outside of the Faction Warfare zones. Especially because thinking of Jitter? Cause, yeah, it could cause a lot of issues for Jitter. It could cause a lot of issues for Nullsec. Like, if half my fleet is Mimitar and the other half is Amar, what does that mean for the fleet? If if the lodges, the Mimitar lodges rep the MR um, DPS ships, do they get a penalty to their standings? Like, so I'm I'm really hoping that this mechanic comes out well because there'll be a lot of people interested in it. But I also really hope that CCP are thinking through every implication of what having individuals signing up to a um, to a faction is going to mean for for the other types of gameplay. I think if they do it well. Which and solve and solve for the problems that you're you're indicating there, shines, which I do think are some of the most important problems they have to consider when looking at it from a Nolsec point of view. You'll also open opportunities to do creative things like in it going on one side and goons going on the other side, and people having the opportunity to do things slightly differently, maybe uh, shoot a few friends and whatnot, have a little fun in a different style of gameplay that's not so again join a fleet, you know, sort of big big normal style without also completely impacting them in LSEC, right? It kind of gives them a, a second gameplay loop they can go do and have fun with and, and shoot their friends and blow up spaceships in a smaller environment, low-esque investment, etc. And then they can take themselves out of that and come back to Null and do something different when they want it as well. I think if they do that, that's going to be really nice because then you're going to have more, I think you'll have more friends playing together in small groups, more kind of like splintered off groups, you know, using their mains still, but kind of doing their own thing while also allowing them to obviously keep their allegiances in, in Nullsec as well. I'm not sure, Shrines, if you've ever considered kind of what it could mean if it was a, a set up in a way where Init, for example, could be on, on the other side of Goons, and then you guys could specifically in Faction Warfare Zones shoot each other and, and the game kind of managed standings, etc., and kind of made that easy. But then when you came out of uh, out of Faction Warfare and went into Null or Highsec or just missed Close-Sec Zones, yeah. uh, that, that was all you know, correcting as it should be. I think that's really like what you've hit on there is super important and kind of there's a bit of a backstory. But essentially, um, if you look at Pockfin, where there's different groups like you had Strybog and, and Horde and, and those other groups, and you had a very PvP heavy area of space. And the initiative, when we went into Pockfin a few months ago, we just found that we were having to test blues or blobs like all the time, and it just wasn't that much fun. So when the faction warfare stuff came out and we all moved to alts. Um, I contacted Goon Diplos and I said, hey, 
this corporation is neutral to everybody. This corporation is neutral to initiative. This corporation is neutral to goons. We are flying in it. If somebody comes into the faction warfare zone and you know they're a legitimate target, and I'm not going like we're not going to be dealing with any diplo issues. So, having learned from Pockfin, we approached faction warfare when the changes came out as that corp is a standalone corporation. There is no um you know we're in initiative we're in goons but it is uh it is its own thing and whoever comes into the faction warfare zone gets shot and that's it and i think mm. that is the way that you have to approach stuff like that because if you just turn gonna faction be warfare into imperium versus pappy on on one side it's just not going to be fun for anybody yeah no the whole standing thing and like diplomatic shit it's going to be a nightmare then yeah 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 um yeah, talking about CSM Summit stuff, is there any issue or anything that you think like it might not be on anyone's radar that, you know, for example, you want me to bring up or like um, that, um, you know, you think needs more attention? Like, is there anything on your list? I know Shines has some uh, strong opinions on this, but I'll uh, I'll open the can of worms that is server stability and overall performance. Uh, you know, <laughs> mm. even as a as a small group, it's it's getting ridiculous. I mean, we made the joke just as we were getting set up here. We can see when Shines is moving in its uh, Capley around because we'll get Tide in a in the same region, ten jumps away, with like six people in local, just because they're moving their Capley around. Like that's so is fundamentally, that only, fundamentally ridiculous. But that it's only in certain regions, right? That reminds well, me of the whole issue with um with well, hunting. Sorry. No, with hunting in threat space, for example, right? So the way I understood the issue, so for like, let me go back actually and explain what happened there. You jump out of the wormhole with 200 kickies and you want, you have a, you have a target, let's say five jumps out. Five jumps is realistic. You can reach that and surprise it and, you know, tackle it and stuff usually. But if you get caught in tie-dye, you would have like obviously a significantly lower chance of catching it, right? And it would always be in threat space that happened to me, right? So I jumped the kickies out, we travel, and then suddenly power we're stuck in tighter and they have all the time in the world to get dictas in between and make it even longer. And then we wouldn't reach the target sometimes, right? So it was super frustrating. And so the way I understood that issue was that there's certain times or at the time I thought that was the issue, there's certain times where the uh, average activity in the region is calculated and it wasn't the China time zone when it was, okay? Because there's the downtime or whatever, right? Um, and then the server would think, okay, this region has only so and so much activity anyway. It doesn't need all this computing power and then would put it on like a Game Boy Color kind of note, you know? So... Um, while other groups that are in Euro time zone, when it is calculated, um, get like the, the super awesome uh, ultra node, right? And um, you wouldn't have the tighter issue there, right? Like for example, goon space, hot space, init space, you know, where you have like a lot of activity around the clock basically, right? And uh, so might that be the same for those regions where it's just like usually the activity is so low that the server automatically, obviously it's all like happens automatically, the server says like, yeah, this region doesn't need a, a great node. It, it just gets like the shitty one. And, uh, you know, you suddenly uh, move like 100, 200 people around at times. And then, uh, you know, you run into this issue. Is it the same my, my thing? Hope, 
my hope is that's how it works because if that's how it works then it should be a simple fix of they need to just decrease the amount of uh time between when they rerun that calculation i have that brought that issue up systems. i have brought that issue up before um twice once on my own early early on and the second time when schwo kind of come with me and said like this issue is still a thing la 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 um but you know nothing happened yet. so i'm asking you guys like do you think does that is that consistent with the issue you're facing it's like I think it's definitely a part of it but <clears throat> like even outside of tenerife is uh, like if you're going into delve and stuff it just i don't know it feels like over the last year uh, and just a disclaimer i'm not technical at all i don't understand server architecture or anything like that i know that if i want a good node i need to request a good node and that's about it <laughs> But um, if uh, it just feels like bringing fleets through gates, the traffic control and the loading time, even in Fountain, like Fountain is not, is like it's a heavy populated region. Um, if I bring a hundred people through a gate in Fountain, the traffic control is insane. Like it just seems to have gotten worse and worse over the last year, maybe year and a half, and that's consistent across everything. Like even Vex is saying, like when we log in, if we log in heavy in in Fatabulous at the minute, yes, it might be on a lesser node, but it just everything about it is is horrible. Like there's um, the loading times, you know, stuff might not load correctly. Uh, I think you were saying that there was some problems with that fix. Um, we we've had a ton of issues. I mean, the, we've had a real world scenario where you guys were had a big fleet out in faith, and you tithed us in almost. So we're a region over, and you tithed us yeah. because of your movements. Uh, which we would have confirmed because we had eyes in every Omis constellation. There was nothing relevant happening in Omis at all. It was just purely the fact that your your movements were there. And I think uh, Nikti summarized it well, which is like it genuinely feels like Tenerife, um, and kind of the surrounding regions like Faith and Omis uh, are ruled on the same node. Like it, it generally feels that way. Yeah. Like any impact in those regions is connected. Yeah. But then equally, the other part of it as well, which I, I think you know, it's just the, the problem with the game is like it just feels like the game is getting progressively more buggy. Like when we log in, I know a lot of the guys have been having issues where their 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 capacitor when they log in their supers in the pause is extremely inconsistent. We some like some uh, the, the the what what cath they actually log in when they have is, is different to the point where we have some guys who will log in and log out multiple times to re-roll the amount of cath that they they, they land with because nice. sometimes they just land with like half capacitor. That's that's, um, that's a that's a bug on pauses. If you uh... Interestingly, this was something that was used against us in the war by test. But if you um, if you want online pause mods uh, when you're on grid, like attacking a tower, it resets everybody's capacitor and it freaks the fuck out of the clients when you're when you're doing it. So what people would do is when we'd be attacking towers, is they would just start onlining mods, and ships would start drifting left and right. And I mean, it's pause code, right? It's just. There seems to be a thing with it. Yeah, and then you but, lose um, anchor and stuff like this. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I just think if it, if it was just found to, like, if it was just Fedabolus and stuff, um, you know, we're after moving seven, eight hundred people into, into a region uh, that wasn't populated before, you know, I can understand that, but it's everywhere. Like, it's, it's, um, it, it's just, it seems to be all over Eve and like, I don't. It's just that the game just seems slower. Like traffic control takes time. The amount of people who are experiencing traffic control jumping through gates. At least the feedback that I'm getting in fleets is that everybody except me is in traffic control because I'm the one that jumps through first. 
but mm. everybody else in fleets is trafficking role. Even with just sometimes it could be fifty people, sometimes it could be a hundred people, two hundred and fifty people. I can kind of understand a bit, but it just it seems to be a consistent that you cannot jump through a gate without traffic control in a fleet. Have you been um, getting the uh, the no warp UI bug, Shane's? Yes, and it drives me fucking crazy. Uh, so you actually it, you, you had it caps yet? <laughs> no, thankfully. It's a it's a really enjoyable experience when you're warping uh, hyper supers and titans around, and you're trying to get into warp off grid. <laughs> uh, for example, when there are dreads on the grid, and you're warping away, and it's like, oh, but you're 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 you what you see on your screen is you get no warp animation. You see nothing on your screen. But you see the grid disappear, and then you see the AU remaining on the on the warp like uh, indicator at the bottom of your screen decreasing. So you are in warp, but you don't see any of the effects around your animations that you're in warp, and you just you, it just mm. looks like you're burning your MWD and just kind of going through yeah. grid to grid to grid. It's like the weirdest you weirdest also, effect explained. If you jump through a gate, sometimes the uh, the 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 client doesn't seem to up, upgrade the graphics. You know, you jump through a gate. There's the gate graphics, and then your overview loads, your chat channels load, uh, and then the graphics of you, you know you load into the system on your screen. But what sometimes will happen, especially if you're jumping through a lot of people, is that they will uh, the gate animation will continuously just be there, and you'll be sitting there waiting for the traffic control to end. But you've actually loaded. You're just your graphics haven't. So you can actually right click in space warp and jump to the next gate you'll still be on the animation of going through a gate and then you'll end up you know a system over you're after jumping through the gate and it fixes itself so there's just there's a lot of yeah i mean like i said i'm not technical i put i couldn't you know i I don't have anything to base this on other than experience and it just to me and the feedback that i'm getting is the servers are not in as good a place as they were two years ago all right, and there could be reasons for that. I don't know, but I do. I do some digging. I promise. I do some digging. I think I already know who to poke about it, um, and I'll see if there's something to it. Uh, maybe is it like what are the chances? It's just a feeling thing, but like you both are. Uh, saying... It's there's no way it's a feeling. Thing All right, right, right. You're such a scale of it. Yeah, it, but then also like for us, like uh, from a smaller group perspective. It's just like I'm seeing it. Like when it gets to a point that people are like logging in and logging out again to solve issues, or we're in another region and we can see all shines of forms because we're in Tido. <laughs> Dank like, intel. We, it's like we we shouldn't have to look at our Tido meter to know all shines of painted cap fleet. Mm-hmm. Like that's just ridiculous. Yeah. The other thing, actually, Pando, that CCP really need to pull their heads out of their arse on, and and I have a lot of respect for CCP. They're still one of my favorite companies. Uh, you know played the game for a long time but please fix the fucking esi oh my well, god yes i please. know there is so first of all obviously like a couple of the conversations we have on here i have to be you know, i can't talk about everything openly right like i there's top man working on it uh it's maybe the the easiest answer but like there are there are reasons for all kinds of things that you know can't just be put out there and um but they they have an eye on it and uh, i want to give some credit to kenneth who has always been the esi guy on uh, csm right so he has always been uh, the guy uh, pushing for um like good stuff there um and um this he can't run next year so we're looking at like who's going to replace him uh, as the esi guy on the csm but yeah, we are uh, we are on it. Uh, CCP is on it, but um, you know, 
obviously I can't promise anything. I think what scares me is, and it, while it's pretty cool, the uh, like the whole Excel stuff. I hope that CCP don't just forgo everybody else who's done work like Alliance Alt or Zkill or people who've put in tons and tons of their own personal time, like hundreds of hours you into know. developing tools, and then CCP will turn around and say. Just oh, by the way, Excel. Excel now. Just just use Excel, guys. And I don't know if that's what's going to happen. No. But the way they're saying, "Oh, Excel is coming," you know, please clarify but, that at least. You know, yeah, they are already making changes to punish those types of groups. Though, I mean, the the change recently on the endpoint that was used by Alliance Auth, but used by Sia and all these tools to detect someone's corp status, caching that for seven days without any notice to developers, and just saying, "Here you go. This is now cached for seven days. Go forth and conquer," with zero notice. That's an example of a ridiculous change that has a cascading impact, not only on those developers, well, but also on the people using those tools. That's the exact thing I can't really talk about. Um, and I I say that knowing that there's a slight funny story behind that from our side, which is not something that is public. Like, I don't think we've ever talked about this publicly. But uh, if, any of you if any of you recall, uh, I think about two weeks ago, uh, CCP made a point where they were saying like, oh, you know, we we're having this issue with uh, developers who are like you know taking you know, taking down the ESI like really impacting performance um, because of you know issues in their code or other things. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember the exact details off the top of my head, uh, but I do can say this that there is a part of the ESI uh, that actually AKC actually took down unintentionally. This is an accident, but there was a tool that um, our, our fellow IT guy who's actually in it, Nifty, uh, was working on that actually resulted in AKC getting banned from the ESI temporarily. Uh, because uh, I think it was something to do with the uh, contracts endpoint. Like we were, we were trying to scan every contract in the game to detect supers and titans and stuff. Uh, you know, usual intel purposes. Uh, but the short of it is, we ended up being banned, and they sent us a nice graph um, that showed like average usage, and then this like Mount Everest peak from when we were hitting the ESI. So I, I do understand like the, uh, the the difficulty they have, where it's like you do have people who are trying to get creative with using the ESI. And the the end result is that yeah. you know it's uh, not then like not every line of code is a winner, right? Let's say it like that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and the the result of that is like can be like you know we're impacted. Like for example, we know then like we impacted the performance of the ESI for everyone else, which you know, kind of sucks. We apologize. It, you know, mistakes were made. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I appreciate it's not simple. Like you know, I imagine that's a big part of why they made the caching change. But you gotta find a you gotta find a better solution than just like changing fundamental endpoints like that and saying oh well. Now you can't check someone's corp history for seven days unless you use this other endpoint that's completely different. Yeah, it's... Well, I think there's there's a group of people like guys like Aaron and, and Ariel uh, and obviously Nikti as well, uh, and like a lot of other people who are putting, like I said, hundreds of hours. And I mean, I talk to Aaron nearly every day about Alliance Auth, and he's probably sick of me at this stage. But like, can we do this? Can we do this? I'm surprised and, he's still going strong, right? Like the, the amount of work like, that guy puts in, it's insane. Yeah, and but like none of that seems to be. It it doesn't seem to matter. Like, so many alliances are running things like Alliance Auth because it makes them able to manage, and it it doesn't have to be a big block. In it uses it, yes, but it's also designed for smaller alliances to use. And small alliances have to have tools, or even small corporations have to have tools like these, to make a lot of what they're doing in game work because you're always going to have an advantage if you're not organized. Uh, sorry, if you're organized, than if you're not organized. So I would really like, and I, I've said this to people directly and, and, and everything, but uh, you know, if there's problems with the ESI and there is, 
it would be cool if maybe they could sit down with some of these people, get a list of things that need to be fixed, and then work on them. Yeah. But better lines of communication, I think, is the is the theme there, yeah. right? And that's something that respectfully to CCP, because I, I agree with you, Shines, they're a company that I hold to high esteem, but like they gotta do a better job of communicating across the board. And and this is just one example where it's like candidly, to me, it seems pretty low effort just to have someone sit down for an hour, once a month even, just to say, Hey guys, what problems are you having? What problems are you trying to solve? Just to make sure that A, the product they're putting out there that is ESI actually is helping people who, who use it solve the problems they're solving, but also to make sure that it's a two-way street, right? That they understand how people are using the tools and kind of what uh, the issues they're having using them are. So you avoid situations where they're saying, oh, well, people are breaking our tools because they're using them incorrectly. Well, how about you communicate with them better and, and kind of work with them rather than just like not talking to them at all, right? Yeah. I think the communication is a big thing. And I think CCV have learned that recently. Like, it's okay to fuck up. It's okay to make mistakes. Just communicate. Like not everybody's going to like, you know, fire CCP Pando or fire, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want CCP this person's head on a stake. You know, whatever it is, like everybody fucks up at some stage or everyone makes unintentional mistakes or stuff, but please just communicate. Imagine Bjorn went to CCP and then he just calls himself CCP Pando just to fuck with me. That would have been a move. I, I do want to respond to this person in your, your chat, Panda, that made a point sure. saying, on a larger perspective, won't EVE be better off the harder it is to maintain super large organizations? Why should CCP make it easier to make blobs? Um, this is actually something that I've heard a lot of times when we talk about these conversations of ESI. Uh, the reality is the same issues that you're saying impact blobs, blobs and would make it easier for them actually make it easier for the 20 to 50 man to 100 people alliances that form in low second and null sec as well. If you don't solve the problems for those groups, the larger nullsec groups have the exact same issues. So you, you kind of you have to solve those problems. Is, is the bottom line that I'm, I'm getting at here? Is like you, you you have to be able to have an ESI that's functional, that makes it easy to manage these groups. That's just the way the game is has been played, and we're going to continue to be played for years to come. I would say though, I kind of agree with the points Jogada is trying to make. I always, and I can say, see, whenever it comes to CSM stuff, I can always tell you guys what I say. And one of the things that I said before also on the CSM is there should be a limit to what ESI can do. You should not always put everything under the name of quality of life. Like, that's not a good approach, okay? You, there should be limits to what an ESI, uh, what the ESI can do, right? organizing thousands of people maybe it shouldn't be easy you know what i mean maybe it shouldn't be easy sure it shouldn't be um like impossible or like um you, you shouldn't uh, like uh, torture people with it because like so nobody wants to do it but like there should be limits too right like um maybe you know when it, it it goes into the same category, like th that's why I like Ariel and um, Aaron, what they do with Alliance Auth. It's open to even smaller groups, right? So smaller groups can take a Alliance Auth, and it's it's all there. The work's already done, basically. the The base principle of organizing a group, like it's quickly done if you if you have like one guy, right? Because like small groups don't have a huge IT team. The big groups, however, they do, right? Like they do have so many people available. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like ESI, 
I feel like uh, there's probably too much that it does, right? Like, slim it down a little a... bit, put it on the basic Sorry. stuff. Right? But, like, it doesn't have to do everything, right? So, I, I actually do agree with that, but, like, the point I'm getting at there, um, and trying to let you go in a second, but I just want to say, like, the point that I'm getting at there is not that the ESI shouldn't be changed. Like, personally, I think someone came out with a wild idea on Arcoms yesterday of, like, what happened if ESI was just turned off? I think that would cause chaos, but it'd be equally fun and hilarious and would change the way the game is played. So I'm not necessarily advocating for ESI should remain this way it, way it is or, or have even more functionality. I'm just saying that whatever functionality is available through ESI, it should work and be consistent. That is And, and how it works should be clearly communicated. Correct, yeah. Consistency. Yeah. But it, it may be obvious to us, but that is not the reality today. Right? The, the yeah. way that ESI works today, like they just randomly out of nowhere go, oh, we're changing this now. I think yeah. when people talk about groups, one of the the things that I, I hate is the big groups versus small groups. There are valid arguments and reasons for using it, but the fact is anything that can be done in-game will generally, unless it's something like specific, like what Vex and his guys do, but in terms of organization, anything that can be done will always be done better by a bigger group. So you need to make, like that person there is saying, why not make groups harder to organize when they're larger? That doesn't happen. What they should be doing, and this is something I've also said to CCP, is making it as easy as possible for smaller groups to exist. Make a lot of the stuff that we have to do with external tools, like ratting taxes or you know whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Make all that an in-game mechanic where you, you can form a group of 100 people. You can generate your income using in-game mechanics. You don't have to use ESI. Like at the minute, we're pulling uh, ESI, um, we're pulling uh, the ratting that everyone in, initi in initiative does, and then there's a percentage paid to the alliance, right? Like there's, and that's all true ESI. Whereas if that was an in-game mechanic, the ESI wouldn't be needed. And then smaller groups, the easier it is for smaller groups to do things, uh, the easier it is for them to exist. Because if you're a small group moving into like Nullsec or something, and you're not able to generate income or you're not able to organize, you are at the mercy of the bigger groups. And that's just a fact. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm not sure if that, um, like, I think it's basically the same, not basically the same, that, uh, what I'm trying to like get across, but it's, um, you know, it has the same outcome at the end of the day, right? Like the playing field is like even, like that's what the, I'd love to that's what it should be like. Right? I'd I'd personally love to see the kill feed shut down. Just get rid of kill mills. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you can have kill mills in game, but like you can have kill mills, but give the option to share them and don't I, have a tool like Z kill that allows for alliances to have like automatic posting because yeah. that adds an extra element to the game that I think would actually be more fun from a you having the ability to control the information you're putting out there. And then use that to your advantage or disadvantage in certain scenarios. Or equally, the person who gets killed can share their loss mail again with their alliance to for the same thing, right? Gather intel, share, and communicate, and so forth. Like for our style of gameplay, that would be huge. Like the the first thing we do every time we drop, the first question is always, "Has the kill been posted? Has the kill been posted?" Mm, so yeah. we we actively call that on commons because it makes a huge difference. Nick says, "Poor squids or get rid of Z kill." That's not what they're suggesting. They're suggesting it's just not automated, uh, automatic, like, uh, right? So you have I to go love, there and post them. I would love to see Z kill change to like a player stats, so you could have your stats, but you don't have individual kills because I feel like Z kill is used to. It can also be used to shame people, 
for kills or for losses or for stuff like so if you're if you get blasted all over reddit because you you lose a moloch in low sec because you took a fight that you probably shouldn't have or you got baited or whatever um you know you're not going to do that again because the, the you're being shamed basically by you know for doing stuff in the game and i i, I think that that is a lot of reasons why people won't take fights. Like if you look at the war panda, do you remember how much uh, people were putting um, emphasis on isk wars? Like, oh, we, you know, we won the isk war by twenty yeah, builds. It's the so only way won. of measurement, though, right? It's like objective and an isk war. If the objective is, you know, you know, it's easily disregarded. You know, it's easily. Like we didn't want that objective anyway. You can always say that. So it's always about the score at the end of the day. You know what I mean? It's the only yeah. thing that can be measured. And you also remember in the war, and I talked about that before. I always thought that was funny. Uh, that uh, the Pabi guys had the objective. They could have still achieve, achieved it, but they had the Isk war at that moment. And that's where they said, okay, let's, if we leave now, we win the Isk war. And then they left and ignored the objective. Yep. And, and then we bumped them on the gate and then they lost the isk war. And uh, I thought like that happened more than once, not necessarily that we bumped them, but it happened more than once that they just like left with the option, like they could have achieved the objective, but they focused on the isk war. And you know what? I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. You know what I mean? It's like for us, it kind of helped, you know? So it's like maybe it adds in, like an, another dimension to it that's fun, but you are right. It could also be that it shouldn't be uh, playing a role and it should just focus on like what is happening on on grid and at the end of the day maybe nobody should be caring about like oh uh, how much estate we kill or whatever right it's like yeah but maybe, imagine maybe yeah. imagine if you had z kill for csgo right and like your stats are so fucking terrible that you just get flamed out of the game <laughs> Because like yeah. when we play CS, if you walk away with twenty five kills and I get five kills, like you know, if people can look that up, it's uh, it has been a while up, since but... since you had like a five kill match. No, no, but you know what I mean. Like if, <laughs> yeah, if yeah. you're maybe you I wouldn't just, have gotten to the level you're at now. I, 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 that was the case. I, I just I think it's cool to look at Z kill and stuff. And this isn't about Z kill. This is about the whole I yeah. guess thing around it. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Zeke is just a vessel for these conversations because they're the de facto kill board, right? Like that everybody uses. Yeah. But the the larger conversation is just about kill, like the automated, I think, uh, kill boards and the information that's posted. What I will say is, like, my biggest gripe with that whole thing is actually just the mentality behind it, where groups nowadays won't take fights because they go, oh, you know what? Like the odds of us winning here are like thirty percent, thirty five percent. So we're not going to take the fight. You know what's funny? We, the the is score is too much risk, and it's like. That for me is the saddest part of the game because if you're not willing to take the fight and just play outnumbered and have the chance of that thrill of going, holy crap, we just we just dunked on these guys, we just pulled this off, this is amazing. Like, what's the point of playing the game if you if you're only going to take fights, you win. What's the point? You know, but that's that's what happens a lot, unfortunately. It's just so sad though. I, I get that's what happens, how the game will is, is and, and frankly, I I know it will never change, but like that is it is very sad that like the 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 net reality is like taking fights that you have a higher chance of losing, but if you play really well, there's still a a chance that you can pull off. It, it should be something that I think more people feel empowered to do, not just oh so, you jumped in, you fed, and therefore 
you're gonna get like memed out now for two days straight, right? Wouldn't you also say there were fights in the past? Right, I'm thinking back um syndicate times, Bush Ravens, where you would have the objectives there, they're hitting off fort or whatever. We would undock anyway to just deal as much damage as possible. And if we wouldn't have a value at the end, wouldn't that take something away from it? I'm not saying we wouldn't do it necessarily. Well, we wouldn't have done it at the time. But like, wouldn't that be... It would give. Uh, it would take a little bit away from it. Wouldn't you say that? I would agree. It definitely takes a, a piece away of it. I think, I guess the... The, the problem here is not necessarily the values behind it per se, it's more just the mentality that comes with those values. That's really what we're getting at. Yeah, like, but you don't have anything, any way of measuring your success at the end. If you don't win the objective, uh, you have zero way of measuring your impact in the fight. Wouldn't you say that's a one, problem? Once a fight is all said and done, yes, you can, do, you can look at that and go, okay, this gives us a sense of what happened. Maybe a delay. But you also... No. And that's that's where delay is like the default thing that always comes to my mind. Like the point I'm getting is like is that that risk calculation that you make to take a fight shouldn't always just be down to oh there's a good like there's a seventy percent chance or a sixty percent chance that we lose the score if we take this fight, so we're not going to take that fight. What about right. a middle ground? What about you get kill mails and instantly like they are right now, but it doesn't say anything about the fitting. So the intel about what is the fit someone's flying, because that's another intel thing, right? Especially when it comes to small solo, small scale guard. Like, you know, the fittings are shared there too. But like, what if like someone pimps out his stuff? Like, should people know? I mean, the dude who kills him can see in the loot, oh, there's some good stuff in there, but he doesn't necessarily know how shiny it was. So like, maybe that would take away enough of the negative parts of it, but leaves the whole, like, yeah, we killed whatever, like 20 ravens in this fight. So you still get that, you know? Would that be the, maybe know, the middle ground? You know those influencers who go into a restaurant and they'll get like a really nice plate of food and then they just spend 20 minutes taking pictures of it instead of eating it? And it gets cold. Yeah. And then it gets cold and it's not nice. I think you should just have fun eating the meal instead of taking pictures and posting them on social media. That's how I feel about Zico. <laughs> That's such a good way of putting it. <laughs> it's very true, though. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with it, too. And you know I don't care about ISK, right? You know that very well. <laughs> but uh, I also know Newbie Pando, who, like, started um, PvPing in Faction Warfare. And I know that guy went back to, fact to, um, to not Z-Kill, I don't know what it was, Battle Clinic, or whatever it was back in the day, to just check on, like, how did I do today? You know, is it green, is it red? For newer players, I do think it is a it is an important kind of indicator if you're on the right path, kind of. You know what I mean? I th I agree. I think it's like it's a good way to check. You know, am I doing good? Am I doing bad? I think. You know, I guess it comes back to for me. It's like it's less about the at the end of the day, am I green or red? It's more about the how do you quantify the unquantifiable? I guess to a certain extent of like the risk that you took taking that fight, because that's the bit for me that. In all of these changes, the the bit that I'd like to encourage and, and see more is like more people willing to take risks. And and you know I think I, I would like to think that with the way that we play the game, that like we embody body that. I mean, case in point, we gated supers into a dread bomb because we thought we're gonna fuck around and find out. Like this is gonna suck, but let's have some fun. So right? like yeah. So basically, I, I'd like to see more people do that, right? <laughs> so basically, what you're trying to say is also so Zeke never tells the full story, right? So if you jump yeah. in your super. 
right? Just hypothetically, you jump in your super and you take a risk and then you lose your super. Nobody sees the whole story. They just see that super on the killboard, right? I mean, that that is the case, like, for me, like, the amount of messages that I get from people who are, like, laughing, like, you, oh, you entered your super, like, you got dread bombed, you got baited, etc. It's like, actually, no, in, in our case, like, we watched them for three days straight knowing they were bait, and then on the third day, someone called, oh, so I tackled bored. it. Should we do it? We're like, we're, like, so bored, we're like, you know what? Let's just see what they've got. Let's see what they drop. It'll be fun. And we, we didn't even ping in it. Like, Shines can, can back this up. We didn't even ping in it to say, we're gonna go do this. Literally, what happened is one of our guys in comms said, I've tackled it, and we went, Fuck it. And we all just went in and we literally gated in gated into system. We didn't sino in, we gated in into bubbles into sinos at zero on dreads, fifty K away and just started fragging. Because we just wanted to have fun. Right? We it was like an eighty percent chance that we all died there. Like it's probably even higher to be honest. Like I think but that but level of risk I would like to see more but more aggressive that, play. Wouldn't that be an argument for Zekel having more information then? So maybe Zikil should more, yes. tell more of the story. For example, let's let's say you sh you fight a 1v1, let's say Drakovic versus Drakovic, but then suddenly there's a Guardian falling out of warp, saving the other dude. Just a little bit, right? Shouldn't that Guardian be on your loss mail then? Saying like, oh yeah, I fought a Drakovic and a Guardian. But no, it's not, right? That's only going to say like, oh yeah, they, they had a Drakovic 1v1 and he lost, right? That's what it says at the end. Shouldn't that Guardian be on that mail then, right? I mean that's I where the, so. the lack of the lack of timelines of kill mails, right, is is challenging because you, you don't see from a kill well kill mail when things start, you just see how it ends. So I, yeah, I agree from that perspective. Like if kill mails were more detailed, that would go to some end result. But uh, you know, I guess the problem here is like maybe this is me just being blindly optimistic, but like it's the mentality shift of like how do you get you know, Shines, I'll ask you this, like, how do you get you when you're seeing a fleet to decide to take more risks, and I, I would already categorize you as someone who is willing to take more risks and willing to go all in more, but how do you encourage you to take even more risks such that A, you as an FC can get the satisfaction of going, I took a larger risk here, but it paid off because I won, but also for your line members as well to have a better experience because they know, you know, they can be more motivated that they're putting themselves in these higher risk, more aggressive scenarios, but in exchange of that, the wins feel so much better. Yeah, I mean, it's always like whoever you are, uh, fighting outnumbered and winning is always going to feel better than, you know. I mean, look, in it dropped, uh, we dropped eighty capitals on a on a ten man uh, east wind dread bomb the other day, and uh, Uda reverse cut. You know, <laughs> people people were the so happy blobbers. because they got to fly their dreads, but like you know, That's we so blocked sad, the absolute right? fuck out of them. Right? I felt sorry for them, but you know what are you going to do? Um, and you know that doesn't feel good. But if you're like, if you look at snuff, like they are the experts on fighting outnumbered. Like when they drop dreads and stuff, you know that they are min maxing the shit out of everything, and they're just in absolutely slaughtering. It doesn't matter where it is; like they're mm. slaughtering stuff that's coming against them. Even big alliances like Initiative and and, and Goons and, and etc. They're always going to feel better. But like as an FC, for me, it doesn't matter. I can take fights outnumbered and I can lose. Like I can whelp a fucking Napoc fleet tomorrow, and I might get laughed at. People might think, like, "What the fuck was Shine's thinking?" But the next day when I ping, I'm going to get the same numbers again. Like the guy, people are still going to join my fleets because I'm established. Um, they know who I am and hopefully people have fun on the fleets. If you're a new FC trying to learn uh, EVE and you take out like a Ferox fleet or a Munin fleet or, or even a Kiki fleet, 
and you feed, like let's say Kiki Fleet, you 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 end up going in, you try for a dread, it doesn't work because you're not you're not a known FC, you didn't get the numbers you needed, the dread managed to get out, and you're warping back to your wormhole, and then suddenly you realize that there's a smart bombing battleship on your wormhole and you lose everybody. The next day when you see a you know a Navy Phoenix issue doing a crab beak and you ping for people, you're not gonna get numbers. So, and a lot of that is because people are going to like take a Z kill link to a battle report and post that and say, well, fucking look at Pando. He, like he's in UFC. He's after taking this fleet out and he whelped 50 Kikis. Like, fuck, I'm not joining his fleets anymore. And, you know, and that's what happens in, in, in Eve. Like you have to make a name for yourself. And that is very hard to do when you have the other side. And I mean, we do this as well. Nobody's innocent of it. But when you've the other side using Z kill as a like a psychological tool against other people, like just enjoy the game. It doesn't matter what the odds are. Just go for it. And if you lose, you lose. If you win, you win. Fantastic. Yeah. But take the fights anyway, and it could be awesome. Yeah, I just I talked about exactly not exactly, but like something like that yesterday on stream too. And uh, the way I always see it is, if you never take a fight outnumbered or that's like super risky or whatever, you kinda take every chance from yourself to ever have like a real epic fight right because like if you never fight outnumbered if you never take a risk then what every win you will ever always have is an expected win and you know who who is uh, into that stuff you know it's nice in the moment but next week nobody's going to talk about that munin fight um, that you had where you had like 50% extra numbers, like nobody's gonna remember that, right? So um, like short term, it'd probably be fun, but like long term, who gives a shit, right? Um, and if you look at my killboard, ever since I did more solo stuff and so on, right? Like, man, I'm losing way more stuff than I'm killing, obviously, right? Yeah. So, um, and then there's still people, there is, can you believe this? There's still people and then that are like trying to shit talk you in local and whatnot whatnot and say like oh like why are you running and stuff like this i think half of them are trolling right like half of them are just like maybe it gets to, like maybe wolves to make it then but you know yeah it's, people will just link uh battle reports or whatever right and uh, you know shame people into you know not doing it again right and that's it's yeah. just sad. you you know what a, what was a good example actually of that uh you remember squishy and dtm and they went into fountain and they were soloing in some stuff. And there was a guy in a legion, and he just built a legion, just, you know, pifing around, having a, like a fun little fit and stuff like this. And he engaged them with his legion, and they were in a Hyperion. A Hyperion, right? Who engages a Hyperion solo? And a, I think a Hecate or whatever, or Drekavec. I forgot what it was. But fact is, that guy was just playing around, just having fun with it. Pimped out a legion and just threw it at them and, and wanted to have like a shot at it. He died and it was pimp fit and these guys were absolute fucking crazy and local getting like super toxic about it and i get it you know some of it is probably a you know shtick whatever like they're playing a bit of a role and trying to be funny and kind of failed at it a bit but fact is that guy they try to make that guy feel bad about it and i thought man that's so shitty right and when have you ever seen me form munins but the next 10 times these guys showed up i formed munins so hard uh, and we blocked them so hammer, so fucking hard that you know i thought that was like about time they get the treatment right so like yeah some people don't understand like um it's just isk you know who gives a shit at the end of the day come on it's a game like we're yeah. all here to have fun and i think 
you know, we're we're all here as FCs, right, as well. You know, what's our, our responsibility to a certain extent in the game as FCs is to create fun for for other people as well, right? Like we're we're content creators. That's that's ultimately what we're here to do. So I think trying to build the right atmosphere for that and and being the right kind of FC from the way you interact with others is a big part of that. I know that was something that. I would like to think it, my time in Goons, particularly towards the, the tail end of it, was something I pushed quite a lot, is like, don't be toxic, actually work together, make other people better, grow, and, and help other people see more, etc. Uh, I think I think that's a huge thing, at the end of the day. It's like, if you can... If, if we can create more, as FCs, we can create more content for people to blow up, go out there, blow up ships, have fun, forget about the ISK, forget about everything else, just go have a good time, and just enjoy it, that's better all around. But... What kind of where I'm going with this is like this all goes back around to earlier on in our conversation we talk about all the ISK issues. People don't want to do that because their risk aversion is so high because ISK is so hard to come by and shit's so expensive. So mm-hmm. it kind of comes full circle, right? Like it's you know, it's difficult for for groups to go out there right now and say, oh, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna go full send, we're gonna try something because that guy and his legion, that legion now costs three times the price it used to to replace that legion. Yep. Um, I think it's uh, it's a big issue. Yeah, uh, it's one a lot of people don't seem to get. Um, and I think uh, this might just be uh, like a really good point to end it on because originally I planned for an hour, right? <laughs> I know we had two hours. Um, if you have any last uh, things you want to get rid of, any thoughts, uh, then uh, I would say do it now. Otherwise, um. I would say uh, thanks for coming on, guys. And uh, yeah, see you guys uh, around, I'd say. I think the only point I will squeeze in is uh, I know a lot of people have been roasting Eastwind continuously uh, for, for what they've lost. Uh, but I think that groups like Eastwind should be given a ton of credit for going out off their own back and trying to organize their own defense fleets, how, how small they might be. Because at the end of the day, the, the general consensus from Fire seems to be screw the little guys, evacuate as much of, of the stuff from their, their core large blocks as they can. So I think uh, people should, uh, you know, we're talking about people going out there and blowing stuff up and just giving it a go against all odds. Credit to Eastwind, they, they've kind of embodied that, right? They hit full send with their dreads twice over. Uh, even if we did, you know, we would have reverse card and we did it the second time. Uh, they gave it a go, and I think uh, they should get a lot of respect for that. I, I have more respect for Eastwind uh, than I do for the rest of the groups that are down here, because they are the only people fighting back. Fighting back mm-hmm. properly, at least. Or trying beyond what they probably can. Yeah, I think, I think is, it, is it fair to say they've given the best fights so far? Because that seems to be the consensus that we're seeing, is like they've given some of the, the best fights because they've been willing to throw dreads on grid, they've been willing to do this, do that, and, and generally create better fights right i uh i i don't think they're as poor as people might think i mean i've seen molochs and vanquishers and shit taking that regional gate on day two <laughs> of the deployment but at the same time like uh you know anyone anyone who turns around and, and dread bombs you while uh, like if, you know dread bombs the invaders while outnumbered is uh i mean they're doing something right in my book i think 100 percent. why not what else are you going to do with it evacuate of course yeah, we we've been we've been telling them all week. What are you gonna do? Just everything is being burned down around you. You haven't done anything a week. We've hit four stars. We were after keep. You didn't undock. They have one person in local when we were after keep star. So for them to 
finally kind of log in and actually go full send with a, a plan, which was was pretty well executed in their defense. I mean, what people don't know is that my super, when my super died, we had two other supers warp out in like 10% structure or something. So like it could have been much worse. Uh, so I think yeah, a lot, they, they should get a lot of credit for what they tried to do. So if, shout uh, out to Eastland, I'd say. Yep. If I so. can just put in, if any groups. Uh, and I've already had one or two reach out to me. You don't have to reach out to me. I don't want anything to do with this. But if groups who are currently losing their space in the south want to leave fire and try and make it by themselves or do their own thing in Nullsec once we leave, uh, this space will all be left open for uh, for groups to come in and do their thing. So if people want to give it a shot uh, without some you know, toxic leadership like Eastwind or whoever, then... Uh, more power to you. There you go. That's the offer on the table. I'm curious to see uh, who's gonna who's gonna take uh, take uh, advantage of it. Um, but I guess we'll find out in like I guess the next month or so. Um, probably two point oh. Someone says, yeah. I mean, probably is a little bit more reachable. So, but at the same time, uh, it started with fate doublers, but it, it probably is not gonna stay at fate doublers, right? So like all these regions are gonna be pretty open. So. There's going to be some um, good space. MNC is pretty reachable from Curse. I mean, so. these are all like you've got Great Wildlands and Curse, and you've got it like most of these regions are at least in range of those places. So it's not great, but it's uh, yeah. definitely possible. It's definitely a it's good a, space. It's a start, and like there are yeah. people in this game who are. I was reading a Reddit post of someone who used Thera connections exclusively to run their industry train. There are people who will put in the time to be able to live in something like Faith and Omis to make it work while being disconnected from the rest of the map. So. It's somewhere to start. It's a new challenge. I encourage people to take the challenge because at the end of the day, going out on your own and trying to build something from the ground up versus just uh, with all due respect to Shines and, and frankly where I spent my time as well, just joining a fleet and, and you know, shooting a target, it's a different way to play. I think a lot of people will enjoy that. So I would encourage people to consider that and consider uh, trying to participate in something and build something if they can. It's a very unique opportunity, but I think a very uh, special opportunity. All right. Even then, if it, even if it doesn't work, I'll say as well. Right. Sometimes it ends in a blaze of glory, and you just all die. But well, that's, that's how it be. <laughs> That's how it has to be sometimes. Oh, actually, uh, can I just add one more thing, Panda? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's do another hour. Fuck it, guys. Let's go. <clears throat> so I'm just wondering, do we have a five-man team for CS:GO after this or no? Ah, uh, I'm in. I'm in. I don't know if Bjorn's still here. Bjorn is in the chat. I seen Bjorn in the chat. I want an there answer from Bjorn. <laughs> sorry thanks for having yeah. me on yeah guys thanks for coming on good stuff um and yeah see you guys around and uh, big thanks to the guys who stopped try unplugging it uh gene veer and i forgot who else it was at the beginning thanks for the biddies um try unplugging and yeah guys Next episode of FC Chat, I'm working on something. It's going to be episode 99. So, uh, you know, get hyped. That's all I can say. Raffle? No, we're not going to do a raffle. It's going to be... Uh, it doesn't fit quite. I'll, I'll raffle some more shit tomorrow, okay, guys? So, see you guys tomorrow, and uh, thanks for hanging out. Bye-bye.